Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Why, hello there, and welcome into this special edition of the Monday Scramble podcast. Guys, it's Tiger Woods' 41st birthday today. Wow. Happy birthday, Tiger. What are we possibly going to get Tiger? Nothing, <laughs> because he has everything. So let's just give him a 30-minute podcast where we break down all of his 14 major wins, analyze why he hasn't won one since, and maybe, just maybe, Rex, you're going to give him a slight glimmer of hope to get a 15th. Give him his 15th major. Isn't that the best holiday gift we could give him? I mean, mm. we, we kind of batted it around. We, we want we that most of all. That isn't for us to give. That's for um, to earn. players are <coughs> to lined earn. up against it. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, let's get started. 1997 Masters. We're approaching the 20-year anniversary now as we turn our calendar towards 2017. Randy, you were, you were at that major in 1997, the groundbreaking win for Tiger there. What still stands out? What still resonates about that performance? Um, how... Uh, he shot 40 on the first nine and still <laughs> got to 18 under. Um, how Colin Montgomery came in on Saturday and was like, no one can beat this man. You know, he's invincible. And then uh, just the coronation feel. And also how, you know, the, even the Augusta National staff, the waiters and busboys, uh, you know, were gathering around to see. It showed how historic and epic that was. And you talked to players and caddies and coaches afterwards, and no one could put it in context. I mean, it was so hard. It, this just wasn't a win. This just wasn't a 12-stroke victory. This was. Th this changes the way America viewed golf, in my opinion, because of everything, all the historical connotations that went into it. It was uh, obviously a very special moment. The fact that he had been brought into the game with so much hype, hello world, you know, just uh, a few years earlier, and he delivered on it that quickly on that stage, it, it, that's the amazing part to me. Yeah, Rex, we contributed to that Tiger at 40 project that was on GolfChannel.com last year, and I wrote a piece about how Tiger changed the game for TV viewers everywhere. I talked to Lance Barrow, the producer of the CBS broadcast, has done so many Masters over the years. He said their directive to everyone on staff was do not take a camera off of Tiger that day because they knew what was going to happen was going to change the game forever. They said if he's walking to the tee, you need to get it. If he is talking to his caddy, you need to get it. If he is holding out a putt and he's, you know, gesturing with his caddy afterward, you need to get that. I mean, it was, everyone knew that that moment was seismic and it was going to change the game forever. Randy, when you're writing that story, what's, what's the main takeaway? Are you, are oh my you, is God, it, is it's it, too big. Is, is it almost how too big you, to write? How do you catch it? lock up that? over the keyboard? Was there a little bit of shaking going on there? Absolutely. It just, it just seemed, you know, too large for anyone to write. But, uh, um, yeah, to me, the, the coronation, that was the, the theme, and that's, you know, how it played out. Because he was so far ahead, 
It was like a parade at the end. Yeah, 12, 12 shots was the first of many uh, blowout wins for Tiger's major. Would you career. pick that as his greatest major? I mean, just to dust it off? Oh, I think the one with the uh, broken leg was probably pretty good. Oh, pretty I, good. No, 2000 Open was pretty good. Winning by 15 shots at, the, sure. at Pebble Beach is probably his best major. That's his yeah. best major performance, I should that say. That one was even more demoralizing than the 12th shot at the Masters. Because the 12th shot at the Masters, that was his first, and, you know, it was Augusta National League got hot. But for him to do it in a U.S. Open, to be 12 under par, the first player to get to double digits under par when nobody else is under par, that was so demoralizing to the field. You just, players were, were dumbfounded um, and demoralized. That was... The feeling you got there. I just sent this quote because I had to go, you know, onto the old transcripts. And, and Ernie Els maybe had the best, the quintessential Tiger Woods just beat me up quote of all time. Someone asked him, Tiger just uh, lapped the field and, and broke the record that was previously held by old Tom Morris. And, and Ernie took a moment and he kind of shook his head. And old Tom Morris, old Tom Morris, if old Tom Morris was alive today, Tiger would beat him by 80 strokes. I mean, it was just, <laughs> you could see the level of aggravation and just disbelief. Are, are you really pitching this to me like old Tom Morris never played Tiger Woods no one has ever played Tiger Woods not when he was playing that well yeah or Ernie he, he had so many how many majors would that guy have won uh, well not he that changed the chop top. he finished second uh, at that one and then he finished at the second at the very next one when Tiger uh, beat him by eight shots at uh, yeah it would have been eight shots at St. Andrews uh, that's why it's so, so entertaining now to hear the young players Jordan Spieth and Roy and all saying that well we really want Tiger back at his best do you no you don't do you because there's a whole generation of players who were completely yeah. scarred by what he did to them, especially during the year 2000. I mean, this is, you, you, you could right. say that, that Jack Nichols is the greatest golfer of all time, and I think that we would probably all agree with that, but no one played better than Tiger Woods during that 2000 season. It was the greatest golf right. we've ever seen. His shadow at that time uh, just stunted growth of players. You know, it's like... Um, they just wilted in his shadow. Butch Harmon, I talked to him about that and just how young players uh, were affected by that. And when Tiger went through a scandal and injury, it allowed the sun to shine on some of these young guys to get some growth and some confidence Quite going. Quite the picture. <laughs> <laughs> 2000s, unbelievable. Ernie, because all at, those guys. All, well, all the reasons you pointed out. You win by 15 at Pebble Beach. Look, I mean, you can say that there's other places maybe that are better for the Open. I, I would disagree with that. I think Pebble Beach is the U.S. Open's quintessential stop. Yeah. Uh, and then to win the Open at St. Andrews the same year, to complete the single, uh, to complete the career Grand Slam, all of these By things. eight. He won by eight. By eight. I, that, if was he, a, that was a forgotten blowout. That's 23 strokes that he, you know, lapped the field in back-to-back -back majors. That's pretty impressive. Tiger was like Superman at the Masters and then winning by 15 at the U.S. Open and then winning by eight at the British. He, he was a Superman. But then... Because of that, he had this kryptonite effect after that on so many other players where he didn't have to be Superman. They kind of, you know, he was their kryptonite. Everyone else was kryptonite. And we saw that. We saw players uh, not being able to challenge him. I forget which Masters it was. It was, I think it was the, uh, the old two Masters, maybe. Yep. Retief Goosen is teeing it up with Tiger, and everyone's thinking, oh, here, here's a guy. The final pairing with Tiger. He's gonna. He's a grizzled veteran, a proven guy. He's gonna give Tiger a run for it. Goosen hooked his tee shot at the first hole and was never a factor. Folded Triple like a bogey to yeah. hole and yeah. Well, and you look at that. I mean, just to kind of walk it forward, you look at that 2002 Masters, and I mean that was a turning point for a lot of different reasons. That's when Augusta decided they needed to Tiger-proof the golf course, and you could make the argument one way or the other that it worked. He's only won one Green Jacket since then. 
So but, so, but it puts it in context of how influential he was. This golf course that had stood the test of time for so long, and the chairman sat in a golf cart and saw one of his drives and thought, that's it, we're ready. It's time to, to, to change the golf course, to change all this tradition for one guy. I mean, it's amazing when you think of the influence that had. I mean, it's, a, it's just a guessing game of how many Masters he would have won had they not, had changed. They not changed the course. He still won four. Now there's talk of Bubba-proofing a golf course or extending some of the trees or doing a whole bunch of things. But Tiger's the one who's just like, oh, my God. Well, and it didn't make sense you're, at the you're time. You're devouring this I mean, golf course. You and I both covered it. I mean, at the time, it, it just didn't add up in our, our minds that you're, you're going to add yardage to a golf course. Doesn't that factor right in? Doesn't that make it easier? For Tiger Woods, and maybe in a weird way. I mean, Tiger's really never spoken about this. I'd love to get his thoughts on it. Maybe it did Tiger-proof it, because it didn't make sense at the time. At the time, you were thinking, well, he's one of the longest guys in the game. How in the world is that a penalty against him? What if they're adding trees? That's where you can They added trees. Uh, they, they instituted, you know, whatever that second cut is called. I'm going to get that wrong. Second cut. The second cut. Yeah, I don't want to call it rough. I know that's not what you call it. But it, all of these things factored into that. Uh, guys, which one was the most memorable? Memorable or exciting? Because I'm different on that. Memorable. We can we can do exciting in a, in a moment. Okay. Me most memorable. Memorable to me is one we talked about the U.S. Open where he won by 15. Because, uh, you know, again, demoralized. That's the one that you just, think of when you think of a Tiger winning. A yeah, yeah, just do total domination and demoralization. I'm going to go the other way. And as, as special as that was, I think 2008. I mean, he limped around. There was so much drama. You didn't know if he was going to show up on the first tee. You didn't know if he was going to make it through the whole round. You had this perfect foil in Rocco Mediate. I mean, they were just, this was Hollywood right here. And a Monday finish, those two going head to head. I worked for a weekly magazine at the time, and it was a nightmare having to deal with a Monday finish. But you were excited going back to that golf course. You didn't know what to expect from Tiger. And in retrospect, I don't think anyone even knew at the time yeah, you know, how badly he was hurt. You know what I remember about that, Rex, is at the end when Tiger won it, it was the first time I actually saw him where he looked like he surprised himself. Like, he, he didn't expect this. The way he looked at the trophy, the way he talked about it, he was, you know, Tiger, no one's surprised by Tiger winning a major. He, he was that day, as close to we've ever seen him being surprised by his, himself. I'm going 2005 Masters. You talk about memorable moments, that 16th hole. Chipping in. That chipping. The greatest thing about that chip-in, and, and I was friends with a, a tour player at the time, and uh, he had played Augusta quite a bit. His uncle was a member. His name was John Engler. And he found me after the, during the award ceremony, and he had to come up and grab me and go, you know the amazing thing about that chip on 15? Isn't that he made it. It's that it was actually going to stop before it got to the hole. That, that's the amazing. Mm -hmm. You can't stop that. And I actually played the golf course the next day. Did you, did you have that chip? I, I, well, I manufactured that chip, and I did not hit. I mean, he's absolutely right. There's no way to get it anywhere close to that hole unless you hit the stick and it falls in. Did you chip that into the bunker? Uh, I, not in the bunker, in the water. Yeah, I, I think I did that. You chipped into the water? Well, yeah, because it catches that slope and goes straight down. I thought it would have just tumbled into the water for you. Into the bunker, you mean? Into the bunker, sorry. Yeah, somehow I skated the bunker and ended up wet. All right, fine. So that was the most memorable, most exciting. My most exciting is your most memorable. That uh, that duel with Chris DeMarco. I, well, you know the May the Bob May duel was great and exciting, but the most exciting to me was the DeMarco because DeMarco was in control of that. He led up the first and second round, and he led halfway through the third round, and there was that rain delay, and Tiger had just started making a move, and it had reverse effects. Tiger ended up making seven consecutive birdies in the third round, but over two days. 
and he caught and passed DeMarco. But then on Sunday, DeMarco chased down Tiger Rounds in the final round at the Masters and made a 10-foot putt at the last hole to force Tiger a playoff. Did Tiger go bogey-bogey, 17 and 18 to drop in that playoff? Uh, he might have, too, because uh, he had a three-shot lead going on to DeMarco in, into that. But I remember DeMarco just burying that clutch 10-foot par putt to, to put it in the playoff, and then Tiger birdies in the playoff. It was really exciting back and forth. I'm going to go with the other... Chris DeMarco duel at Royal Liverpool 2006 Open. And the, the reason it stands out to me was that golf course exciting? was so much fun. And, and th th look, this is from a golf nerd technical standpoint. It was Royal Yellow Brick Road. It was hard and it was fast and it was bouncy. And he hits one driver all week long and just dismantles the golf course. Is that exciting? It, it, that to me was exciting. The way he, he just wrapped his mind around the idea that, look, no, that's not the way I'm going to win. This is the way I've won basically all my other majors. I need to take a different route. And it showed just this different complexity of Tiger Woods. I remember talking with Hank Haney after the victory, and he talked about the game plan and how really brilliant it was. And, and not that they came up with the game plan, but that Tiger stuck to it, that he never deviated. He never felt like he had to press. It was just a work of art in my mind. Yeah, if you look back at the history of Tiger's career, 2006 is a very underrated yeah. year. We look at the number of victories, the majors, the just overall dominating performance. 2000 gets talked about a lot. 2006 was right up there. Guys, we've already talked about the 2008 U.S. Open. Was there any sense in your mind, obviously he's going to be out for a while trying to repair his broken leg, any sense in your mind when you're covering that tournament that this is Tiger's last, last major win? Absolutely not. It was just how quickly would he get to Jack's record and then how quickly would he break it and, you know, would he, would he get to 20 or 21? Because, uh, was he 32 years old, I believe, when he won the 2008 uh, U.S. Open? Yes, so 32, yeah. So no, there wasn't. Uh, there was nobody. Nobody could have seen what was if, coming. If, if you could have put a number on it, how many would he have won when he left that U.S. Open Sunday? Oh, I, you know, I thought he was easily going to surpass um, Jack, and that he would get to like I would said I would have said twenty. I remember sitting on the hill, you know, because they finished early that Monday, and, and we'd gotten done riding. I was with some, a few colleagues, and we were talking about this, and the fear that we had at that moment was not only was he going to catch Jack, but he was going to get to 19, 20, 21, whatever the number is, and he was going to get bored, and he was going to walk away. I mean, that was, that's where our mindset was at that point, that at some point it's going to get, become too easy, and he's going to go look for somewhere else to go. Little did we know the Tiger's life was about to not be very boring at all. It was <laughs> going to change dramatically. And, I mean, the thing that gets you is, so at that point he's 13-0 with the 54-hole lead. That puts him at 13-0. He is absolutely, he is Superman. As you said, with the 50 players are wilting when they're in his no presence. No one could do it. And you could make the argument that if everything happened to him, it was Y.E. Yang. <laughs> yeah. Y.E. Fleck. Y.E. Yang, I had to get the name right for a second, who yes. busted that streak of 54 straight majors. You have to wonder what kind of impact. I mean, because at that point, he was invincible. He's at the top of the mountain. Yeah, right. Uh, and it is interesting. When you look at Tiger's major championship runs, how it was the guys that you wouldn't have expected who stood up to him the most. Bob May. Why, what, Bob May? Sean McKeel. Uh, yeah. If you look at the record book, Sean McKeel went head-to-head -to -head with him twice at the PGA. Rich Lost Beam? once, won once. Rich Beam holding him off at Hazeltine mm. when Tiger was making a run at him. Uh, Michael Campbell. Tiger, Tiger uh, Campbell won by two, and Tiger bogeyed two of the last three. Campbell holding off uh, Tiger's presence on the leaderboard. And, so what, and what, is, what does that say? What does that say that these underdogs, these under-the-radar guys, these guys who you would, on paper would have absolutely no chance to stand up to Tiger. What does it say that they're the ones who are able to do it? Yeah. Maybe not a Tiger, Ernie, 
that I think it says more about you know the failure of the biggest names in golf to challenge him on the biggest stages. It's it, you know, Ernie. There was a Masters where Ernie uh, shot 75 and VJ shot 76 when Tiger's won. Uh, what was that one like? 01 or 0? I think that might have been uh, 0, 02. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, he's got so many stats here. He does, yeah. But but BJ and Ernie and Phil, you know, none of those guys really uh, really beating Tiger or, or doing what Yang and Rich Beam. Well, and not Michael a major. Campbell. I mean, Ernie went head to head with him in Maui that year right. in that epic duel, and of course at the President's Cup in Darkness, the, the year it was in South Africa. But you're right. We never got that. Phil, certainly. I mean, we never ended up with that Sunday showdown that everybody wanted. Now, a lot of that has to do with luck. Sometimes you just have to fall into these types of things. The, the chances that Tiger was always playing well, but one of these other guys was going to have one of those weeks is pretty slim, and it, it just never came to pass, whereas we've ended up with it a lot more so in recent years. And whatever combination you want to pick, whether it's Jason Jordan Day, Jason Jordan Day Roy McIlroy, J Dustin Johnson, I mean, those guys seem to get the timing a little bit better. I don't know if, if that can fully explain it, though. There has to be something to the idea that Ernie Els has had an unbelievable career, but there is some serious scar tissue when it comes to Tiger Woods. Yeah, I mean, th those, these Bob Mays, these Y.E. Yangs, nothing these to lose. Sean McKeel, absolutely nothing to lose. These Phils and these Ernies and these VJs, they're worried about their legacy, where they're going to be placed among the, the all-time greats. Sean McKeel doesn't care about that. Right. He's just trying to win a golf tournament. He has absolutely nothing to lose in plays against Tiger. Yeah, and I think the feeling from those big names that, uh, you know, they've been here with Tiger before, and they have to do something special, and just pushing themselves too far. Um, do your job. Yeah. Belichick, right? Just, just do your job. Ignore everything else. Yeah. I mean, and then the one, and I don't know where this, this falls in. It just dawned on me, having been in, you were in Tulsa, right? At 2007, his last PGA Championship there. That, to me, is, I give him the Marathon Man Award for that one. Look, it was a great victory, and what he did on the golf course was impressive. It was just scorching, blistering, just oppressively hot. And, I mean, he walked off the golf course every day completely drained. And, but yet, somehow, he showed up the next day. It's that physical advantage he seemed to have over the rest of the field that he just relished. And that, to me, is more so than any of his other victories, where he just stood taller than everyone else and let the heat beat down and let everyone else fade away. I mean, I remember finding uh, Ken Faree, an Englishman, was playing his first round, and he made the turn and walked straight to the parking lot, got in his car and went to drive away, and we ran up to catch him. And this is how hot it was. He rolled his window down and just drenched in sweat. because I've never quit anything in my life, but I can't go on. I mean, it was just brutal, and Tiger Woods just relished that. Yeah. And Tiger shot, he almost shot 62 there too, right? That's as close as he came, yeah, that's right. And he was mad. He missed that putt on the last on the last green. That's that's a great point too. The the physical advantage that he has because he obviously does not have that any longer. So when you look back at at why he's not the same player and why he hasn't won a major since 2008, you can pinpoint 2009 as a turning point in a lot of reasons. When you have the Y.E. Yang uh, PGA Championship, you have Elon doing something to his Escalade, and you also have his body just completely breaking down. Whether it's his neck, his knee, his uh, elbow, his obviously his back. When you look back at, at why hasn't he won a major since 2008, what is the biggest culprit? You know, I'll always remember two scenes of Tiger at Augusta National. Uh, one was before the scandal, and I remember we were all waiting for his arrival. We're standing behind the clubhouse at the big oak tree, 
where he's going to come out the back door of the locker room and go to the putting green. And I remember a swarm of media and cameramen there. And I remember one, uh, like two or three cameramen, Tiger came out, and they were backpedaling really fast. And Tiger's walking, and he's got that laser look. He's not looking at anybody. He's going to the uh, putting green and, you know, get out of his way. And this cameraman is racing backwards, and he doesn't see a low-hanging branch from that oak tree and just runs back, backpedals into it really hard, just whack, he goes down face first. Tiger didn't get a chuckle plant. out of that. Usually he Tiger did not take his eyes off. This was right in front of him. He did a little swerve move out of the way without breaking Boom. contact with the, where he was going. It was funny. And then, comes to mind. <laughs> so, you know, that, that's, that's Tiger at his killer crusher best. But then I also remember Tiger, his first appearance in public on a golf course after the scandal. Sunglasses and... Oh, my God. It was like a different person. He looked, he looked meek and timid. And I remember him making eye contact, actually, with people. People were shouting out things, autographs and whatever, where Tiger normally would totally ignore it. He was apologizing, saying, we're not allowed to sign autographs out here, um, but, you know, after the round. It was just a totally so you're saying Tiger. his scandal kind of blew up his aura of invincibility and... Belief in himself human. and in this advantage he had, uh, that laser look of get out of my way, I'm going to crush you, when he came back at the Masters. And, and he did well in his return, you know, considering what he went through. Sure. But uh, to see that something there was, was gone that he was going to have to get back. I, I think it's a combination. I mean, I know we all, always want to put our finger on one. And then Wright Thompson from ESPN wrote a great, great feature last year when he turned 40. And he kind of leaned toward the idea, a two-fold deal, that, that Y.E. Yang sort of stole something that Tiger had built up, winning, you know, getting those leads and not giving them up. There, there had been a toughness that had built up. And Y.E. sort of stole that, and that factored into it. And then losing his father, Earl Woods. I think he was a, a very driving force. His North Star. Yes, yeah. he was always the compass that always put him in the right category. And I think there's something to be said for that. Certainly injury factors into it. And then the fourth one that I felt like needs to be thrown in, there was a point when Tiger Woods left Butch Harmon and then a decade later, Phil Nicholson starts working with Butch Harmon and they have alluded to these tricks, to these mental advantages that Tiger would try to get on his competition. You know, when he's on the golf course, there is something to be said for that. I mean, if you look at Phil's head-to-head -head record with Tiger from the time that he started working with Butch forward, he was a much better player going against him. So there is some sort of mental tipping point that he reached and things started to go downhill. But for all the swing changes, for all the health concerns, for all the worries about the scandal, he probably should have won the 2013 Masters, at least through two rounds. He was in great position until that flagstick from hell intervened. So... We've at least had a bad drop, experience here in 2013. Yeah. What? He was going to win that Masters. Oh, yeah. No, I, I don't doubt that. I think we were all thinking the same thing. Absolutely. Uh, and, and it kind of came apart. And we've seen it not so much. six hole lead at the 2012 U.S. Open, I believe. Too. It, it, but we've seen it. I mean, we, we're focused on majors here because uh, this is what we're doing. But, I mean, I, I'll go back to the Wyndham Championship. The last time he was really in contention at a PGA Tour event through 54 holes, it looked like who was going to beat him. Scott Brown? No offense to Scott Brown, but, I mean, that's who you're paired with. And the fight around Tiger's winning this tournament, and he doesn't get it done. I mean, so you can see it across the board, it's just not at majors. Can he win another one? Yes. Uh, can, you, can you expand on that? Or <laughs> I was going to let my colleague go first, and then I'll go. It's fine. I, I'm going to say yes, simply because, and you know, I, I was just reading a magazine article about his performance at the Hero World Challenge and how much optimism we should pull from that and how great it was. 
The finish was not great. Let's quit sugarcoating that. 15th out of a 17-player field is not, not a great finish. Not good. Six double bogeys, not good. Not good. More birdies than anyone in the field. More eagles than anyone in the field. That, that's what you're going to look at, and you're going to be like, well, all right, there's something. The, the victory in that Hero World Challenge is that he was healthy, and that's always been the caveat, right? It's this huge asterisk hanging over everyone. If he's healthy, he can do X, Y, and Z, and I think Z is when a major. That, that performance at the Hero was like abstract art to me. You, you know, you could see what you wanted in it because for people who believe the end was already there, you saw that maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. But then, you know, you also saw the big challenges he still has and that, uh, you know, Tiger, nobody erased mistakes better than Tiger, and you just wonder if he can still um, erase mistakes the way that he used to. It is bet in 17. What's that? Best bet in 17 to get that major, if it were to happen in 17. Be Quail Hollow. Of course, he's got experience on. You could also make a case for Burkdale. You don't have to be perfect at the open. You can get lucky with the draw. You don't have to putt great on those big flat greens. Maybe the wind dies down for him one, one it, round. In Augusta. I mean, I know they tiger-proofed him. I'm the one that brought up that, that stat that he's only won once there. But it's still, Augusta favors yeah, the older player with, with institutional knowledge. Was he, he T21 just coming back from the chip yips in 2015? I mean, right. he, he's, still, he's still found his way I around. I mean, Aaron Hills at the U.S. Open is the only one I would discredit. Simply, it's going to be so long and such a physically demanding test. Right. I guess the national, what course delivers more improbable magic moments um, than that? So, I, I, Tiger I, at 41, Jack at 46. <laughs> Which one of those are you taking? Yeah, well, I, I would not be surprised if Tiger won there, just because you're right, the, the knowledge of the place and this, this belief that uh, those guys come back that have won there, and they all believe that they can still win there. So that belief really serves them well at Augusta National. Probably have to play Langer head-to-head -head on Sunday or Fred Couples. I mean, it'll be one of those kind Steve of deals. is probably going to be there, too. You would think so. Yeah. yeah. So will, will he or won't he win a major? I never got your answer, Randy. Uh, you know, I... I was one of the last ones to say that, you know, to think that it might be over for Tiger because we, we saw so many, to be there and watch him win by 15 and 12, to see all the amazing Long things. Long time ago. Away. But, but, yeah, I think now, no, and it's, it's uh, just flat out more now. likely no that he won't. But I, but I won't be surprised if he does, but I think it's just highly unlikely now. And a big reason is just the competition around him is different. Beating these guys... Yes. The cast of guys. He that just are has to do it differently. Up. I mean, did he? Has he, he talks about this all the time? MJ developed a fadeaway late in his career. Is he willing to stick with whatever his fadeaway is? And that might be playing a fade off the tee box to a much much shorter drive. It's got to be the strength of this game. It's got to be his irons. It's, it's got clear. to be. His, I mean, he's always been the, the the best long iron player. He's got to quit putting himself in the trees, though, in what? the rough. He can't play from there. He can't win from there anymore. And where Tiger, where the best players, uh, not named Tiger of his generation, weren't standing up. To him in the majors. Now you look; these best players today are all standing up in the majors. You know, DJ, uh, Spieth, Day, uh, Rory—they're—they're you know, they're all they're all putting themselves there in the majors now. So if Tiger's going to get one, the odds are one of those or two of those guys are going to be right there waiting for him. Yeah, I'm a I'm a hard no as well, Rex. I know you think that he can and maybe even still will. One, his competition is Optimism much greater than it's ever been. They've never around. these these guys are rooting for him now. Fifteen years ago, his peers were not rooting for him. They were maybe rooting for him to get injured again so they could have six months of, of freedom and try and mop up as many titles as they want. But the competition is too great. And if we had Brandel Chambly on this podcast, he would tell you X, Y, and Z, the problems in his swing, which are going to lead to more 
injury question. So until Tiger can put together and everything is predicated season, on that on that injury, injury issue. Free, if he is injury free and plays, let's figure it out. Let's say he's got nine more years of truly competitive. I mean, that's 36 majors. You have to think at some point. Nine years is probably being generous. Uh, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, Davis Love won when he was 51. Uh, obviously, what Vijay Singh did into his 50s. I, I think it's possible if he's healthy. You always have to put that caveat on there, and that's that's a big if. Three back surgeries. That's definitely a huge if. So we are not in agreement that Tiger's going to win when Rex is being a homer, of course, but that's nothing to be... You know, I, I would like to see him win one. I'd like to see oh, him he, win be the three greatest, more because... Be the greatest story of his career. Not only that, but, you know, I just remember as a kid, oh, God, I'm dating myself now, the, uh, when, when, when Hank Aaron was chasing Babe Ruth, that was the most thrilling, exciting thing to watch, the buzz around that, and I remember watching when he hit the homer... Uh, um, to to tie Ruth, what what a huge deal uh, it was. Sammy Sosa, yeah, yeah, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, right. sure. I, th I thought you were going to say Old Tom Morris when you're dating. But <laughs> <laughs> that, nice. I, I would love uh, for golf to be in that situation again because you talk about growing the game. There is nothing the USGA and the PGA could do like uh, that kind of chase of Jack's record. Here's it, my biggest concern with that, though, and this kind of gets off topic. I mean, we had a great year in golf. I mean, let's look at the champions. Let's look at the, the young major winners that are emerging, that are compelling. They're, they're fun to watch. They're powerful. They're very confident. Tiger still hijacks all of them. Tiger still hijacks the party. I mean, and, and look, I, for all the right reasons, and it's deservedly so, but it is something when you go down to the Hero World Challenge and people aren't talking to Jordan because they want to go see Tiger hit putts on the green. I mean, it's just amazing to me. I think we can rule out a major for Tiger in 2017. Just real quick. Reasonable expectations for him in 2017. Oh, I, I think he can win. Uh, I mean, if he's... Can or will? Can or will. Uh, don't know that he will. No, I, I'm not going to go that far. I mean, this is still... Can, sure. He's, he's capable of putting four good rounds. Absolutely. Here. And this is, again, this is predicated on his health and his schedule. I mean, we're not exactly sure what he's going to do. Clearly, he's going to add Riviera and, and play the event there because it benefits his foundation. That, to me, could be a huge... He's going to show up there and realize that, wow, this, this is perfect for my game now. A lot like he did at the Wyndham Championship, that he needs to develop that fadeaway, and that might be playing a little bit different golf courses because he has always played the longest, most difficult golf courses, and he, I think he needs to start steering himself towards the Hilton Heads and the L.A.s in these courses where he probably has a better advantage. Yeah, I, I think he can when you, when you look can at this. will. Um, Key distinction. Yeah, he can, you, you he can, can call me on it. I had to call you on it. I say that he's not going to, but I think he can. <laughs> uh, but when you look at that, here's what's important: if he if he has a year like Phil, where he doesn't win, but he's a factor in things, it's it, I think it's a huge lift for him still. But if he goes through another year where he's having yip problems rear their head, if he's not a factor in it, we've already heard him talk about how, you know, maybe. He's resigned to that it is over. And uh, you, you see us starting to prepare for life after Phase being two. a winner. Phase two. Exactly. So CGR. if he goes through a rough year, I think we have seen the end of Tiger winning. But if he if he can have a, even a Phil-like year of getting himself in position, I think uh, you know, it keeps that hunger and drive going. Well, and if he needed a paradigm of hope, it's Phil Mickelson, right? I mean, just look at what Phil has done later He's in his 46. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, it's it, if he needs to look at someone and be like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. And those two have gone, you know, I mean, that's that's been an interesting dynamic between those two for their entire career. So I I, I think he can, and it he, I'm going to I'm going to reverse my answer here. I think he will win in 2017. Not necessarily a major, 
but I think he will win a PGA Tour event. Because I think he's going to throw out a... Well, I'll start at L.A. I mean, I think... He's going to win at Riviera. He hasn't played there in 20 years. Well, you'd like to think he has a little bit different game. I mean, there's a reason why he didn't go back, you know, since playing there 20 years ago. Gives himself the opportunities, goes to the golf courses where he has the best opportunities. Yeah, I think he can and he will. If he can win at Torrey with a broken leg practically, <laughs> can he win there? Torrey's going to be hard. I don't know that the south course is the friendly confines. Like that is a hard ground. place to come. It is. It's going to be a hard there. walk. It's going to be right. physically demanding. And again, this goes to the guys that he's playing against. Yeah. I mean, how he, about Dustin Johnson's not blinking on that first tee? How about at Bay Hill? That's a hard golf course too. I mean, it, it's tough to sit here and, and imagine that he would. I, again, it'll be interesting what he does in his schedule. Not so much through Augusta. I mean, I think that's going to be pretty straightforward. Maybe a, an odd addition here. Win the players again? He could win the players. I think, given the right that's, circumstances. That's a perfect opportunity for him to show fast, off his new game. Wind's blown a little bit, and he's got to depend on his short game. Wherever that's at, sure. He's had the most wins at what? Torrey, Arn, uh, Arnie's place, Bay Hill, and then also uh, uh, Akron. Uh, Will he, he even he, get? He, will he, he get? I know. We're going to say he's going to get open eight at Torrey. I think it is, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I think we can both agree as we close out this podcast that the tone surrounding Tiger Woods now as he enters year forty-one is a lot different than when he was entering year forty. The uncertainty of whether he'd even be able to play again has certainly been put on the back burner, at least for now. That's the product of finishing fifteenth in a seventeen-man exhibition and tying the field most for birdies. So Tiger Woods. A lot to look forward to here as we enter year 41. We'll see him sometime in January. Ryan Ladner, Randall Mel, Rex Hogger. This has been a Tiger Woods special edition Monday Scramble podcast. We'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.